Welcome to the Old Chick Snowship Podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Arthurton. This podcast is dedicated to helping midlife women step into the inherent power and wisdom of a time of life when they often feel overlooked and underrepresented and even begin to doubt themselves. Each week, we will cover information and inspirational topics along with real stories from real women who are defying cultural stereotypes and perceptions of midlife. Women who are reinventing themselves, starting businesses, chasing their dreams, and tackling challenges they never thought possible. Hey, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Old Chicks No Shit podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Arthurton. And today we're going to be talking with Lori Seitz, who is the founder and CEO of Zen Rabbit, about two things that are near and dear to my own heart and have actually... I would say changed my life. These these two things were game changers for me. And that is meditation and gratitude. So Lori helps the Gen Xers. Is that a thing? Gen Xers? Yes. Helps Gen Xers find or rediscover their passion through gratitude and meditation. So welcome, Lori. Thanks so much for having me, Jennifer. I'm excited to be here. So tell us a little bit about how you got into this work because Everybody I know that talks about gratitude and meditation has had some experience with it that has changed their life. So I would love to know, like, what what is your story? My story is probably a little bit different than most people's because back in 2003, I started a company called Zen. It was still Zen Rabbit. It was Zen Rabbit Baking Company. And I was making and marketing a product called the Gratitude Cookie. And this was based on a family recipe used to make them for the holidays. Everybody, you know, same story as all food entrepreneurs. Oh, you should sell this. And so, so I, I started selling them and I had a conversation, probably a, the same conversation I had with one of my coaches and mentors every single day, which was, this isn't working. Why isn't this all the, the complaint du jour. Right. And he actually challenged me to read a chapter in the book, The Science of Getting Rich by Wallace mm-hmm. D. Waddles. The, the chapter seven, <laughs> chapter seven is on gratitude. And so he challenged me to read that for 30 days every day, once in the morning and once at night. And so I did, but that's how I got into that whole mindset of gratitude. So the, the irony of it is that I started a business based on gratitude, selling gratitude cookies, and I wasn't a very grateful person. <laughs> so... <laughs> that's how I got pulled into the, really the world of gratitude. And then I, as that business grew, I was talking a lot about using gratitude for business specifically. How do businesses use it to say thank you to their clients, to Mm. to differentiate themselves, to use gratitude as a marketing tool, really? Right. So you started reading the science of getting rich, you, you know, double down on the gratitude. Like how did that change you like what were the changes that you noticed internally and in your life from, you know, after you did that 30 days? Like what was that experience? Yeah. So the rest of that story that I usually tell from stage when I'm doing presentations is at the end of the 30 days, I got a call from an editor at Oprah magazine who wanted to put the gratitude cookies in Oprah's favorite things. <laughs> Can you believe it? And everybody's like, oh, what? Don't, because that isn't what happened. Honestly, nothing (laughs) happened at the end of the 30 days. Nothing noticeable at all. It wasn't until a few months later, my husband at the time and I were driving home from a friend's house on Thanksgiving night. And we were about five miles from home and smoke started pouring out of the front of my car. And I managed to get off the highway 
and kind of roll into, there was a gas station there right off the exit and pull in there and call roadside support so they could come and tow my car to my mechanics facility. And it was, like I said, it was like 1130 at night. And normally I would have gone into a rant. Like, why is this happening? This sucks. This is why, you know, these, why do these things happen to me? Like hair on fire rant. And instead I went immediately to gratitude. Thank goodness we were only five miles from home. I mean, he lived 90 miles away. So we were very close to home. Thank goodness we were able to get off the highway safely. Thank goodness a tow truck is coming to get us at 1130 on a holiday night. Mm. And that's when I noticed that everything had changed. You know, it's that is so true. And like my own experience with gratitude was the same thing. Like when I started focusing on it, like you said, it wasn't like this big one day, something fell out of the sky and I was like, oh, that's because of gratitude. But over time, things started to shift inside me. Like just the way I felt about things, the way I reacted to things. Right. Mm-hmm. And then you start to go, but wait a minute, hmm, that wasn't normal for me. Right. Like, and you have to actually be aware of it to notice it. But so many people, you know, and I've seen people do this. It's like, well, it didn't really work for me. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. well, I was really grateful for a couple of days and really nothing happened. Like, so how do you, when you're teaching people about gratitude and meditation, like, how do you talk about that with them? Yeah. It's a practice. It's right. always a practice. So that was a 30 days of reading that chapter. That was 60 mm-hmm. times of reading right. that chapter. And then just because it's not necessarily something that is that we're born naturally grateful. And maybe we are born naturally grateful, but right. then it, you know, gets sucked out life, of us somehow. Because we're yeah. right. Right. <laughs> yeah. The point is though that you can learn to become grateful mm-hmm. by, as you said making yourself more aware and whether it's through a practice of reading that chapter or reading another you know book or listening to a podcast or whatever it is about gratitude becoming aware and intentionally looking for opportunities to mm-hmm. be grateful yeah so i'm always teaching people to say okay take any situation that a daily situation where things may be frustrating and find the gratitude there's always an element of gratitude in every situation, no matter how bad or negative or sad it looks in the, in the, uh, in the onset. Yeah, that is so true because my gratitude practice was literally every morning writing, sometimes at night too, but every morning writing a list of 10 things I'm grateful for. Mm -hmm. And there were days where like the gratitudes were I'm sitting on my couch. I have a couch to sit on. I have a cup of coffee in my hand, right? Like just scraping the bottom bottom of the barrel. But the more I did it, the more I became attuned to being able to recognize the opportunities for gratitude. Like, and it got easier and easier and easier. And even now, you know, like when I fall out of the practice, I notice how I feel like Mm. my whole energy changes. Yeah. 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 But so talk to me about gratitude and med- meditation and how those two things work together. Gratitude as a feeling, as an emotion, is one of the highest vibrations energetically mm-hmm. that you can reach. Right. It's up there with joy and love and appreciation. And so when you can get yourself into a meditative state, which is so a lot of people ask about this. Well, what is a meditative yeah, state? Exactly. You know, you can get into meditation 
You could be gardening. If you're really into gardening, you could get into a meditative state there. I love coloring. And I, you know, it's that state when you get into flow and time kind of evaporates. It could be walking. Like you can get yourself into, it doesn't have to be sitting on a mat in an ashram for 18 hours a day, cross-legged listening, you know, listening to nothing but silence. Meditation though, is that, that just that getting into that headspace of, I was going to say clearing your thoughts, but a lot of people can't do that. We can talk about that in a minute, but yeah, but not, you're not emptying all the thoughts out of your head, but you're just getting into this place where you are breathing, you're intentionally kind of slowing things down. Mm-hmm. And that alone can raise your vibration. So now if you can combine meditation and feeling gratitude, infuse your meditations with that feeling of gratitude. You're raising your vibration. When you're at a higher vibration, more good things come to you. This Mm -hmm. sounds kind of woo-woo, but there's actually science and research behind it. (laughs) But there's science and research. No, no, it's both. (laughs) Yes, yes. So the more you can live in that higher vibration, the better you feel physically, mentally, the more good things show up in your world kind of by coincidence, if that's that, I don't actually believe in coincidence, but that that's the term. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it's very true. Like my, like I go for a a walk in nature every single solitary morning and I call it my gratitude walk. Mm -hmm. Right. So gratitude and intention walk. And so it's just like, for me, movement is actually a better meditative state. And I do both. I actually do both. And, but I tune in to be like, okay, which one do I want today? What am, which one am I feeling like still meditation or movement meditation? Yeah. And like some of the best business ideas, or like if I'm struggling with any kind of a problem or whatever will come to me while I'm in the middle of that walk. And I'm not particularly going, okay, where's the answer? Where's the end? I'm not searching for it. I'm just literally out there. Right. And like noticing leaves and noticing the birds and, you know, doing whatever. And then all of a sudden, boom, there's the answer to the thing that I want. And so there's something about that getting into that, that state. Like, I think you call it a state of stillness and it's not necessarily physical stillness as it is stillness inside you. Yes. So talk to me a little bit about, you know, stilling your thoughts, because when I first started meditation way back when I was like, this is not for me because I think to way too many thoughts, like, I, you know, I'm supposed to be meditating and I'm making a mental groceries list. I'm, you know, doing all the things right. And then I was like, I failed. I know now that's not true. <laughs> yeah. Talk to me a little bit about how do we get to that place where we can, you know, get beyond our thoughts. Yeah. It's a matter of as you said, finding what works for you because not the same thing works for everyone. So some people can sit and meditate and some people need to be moving and active. And I think one of the misconceptions is, again, that that meditation is one thing. It's sitting quietly in silence, clearing all the thoughts out of your head and that's not what it is. So it's called a practice for a reason. Hmm. And because it takes practice to get to that place where you're not feeling like thoughts are just racing a hundred miles an hour through your head as you're trying to not think (laughs) it's yeah. So one of the things that actually a guest on my podcast had mentioned to me that she was taught to do because she could not sit still was to put on a song and dance, move her body for five minutes or to the length of the song, get out that energy and then sit down. Yeah. And and she found that worked for her. You're talking about going out in nature and walking and meditating. Great, great practice. Some people find that from running. Mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah. 
whatever it is that works for you is what I recommend people do. If you don't want to sit and you want to lie down. Personally, I do my meditations, the morning meditations I do in bed before I get up. So I'm lying down. And then it's just a matter of when you notice thoughts coming into your head, you notice they're all crowded in there running around, recognizing them because you've heard the the phrase, what you resist persists. It's Mm -hmm. the same thing with thoughts. Yeah. So if you're trying to push them out and pretend they don't exist, that doesn't work. So it's recognizing, oh, there's a thought. Wait, let me come back to my breathing for this minute. As soon as I recognize a thought, let me come back to my breathing or let me come back to the sound of the meditation teacher's voice. And for people who are just starting out and having a lot of issues clearing their mind and have that like lots of thoughts going on, I highly recommend doing a guided meditation so that you can focus on the meditation teacher's voice or the sound of the music in the background. Again, people sometimes think, well, a guided meditation is like, that's cheating. It's not cheating. (laughs) It's no, no. Yeah, no, no. And you know, and it's a great way to start because it it does give you something to focus on other than your own thoughts. Because just like you said, that harder you try not to think, the more thoughts are going to flood through your brain. And then you get into the spiral of, I can't meditate. I'm doing it wrong. And then- (laughs) Then yeah, like, and then you really, come out of the meditation and you're more uptight and anxious than you were before. <laughs> exactly. Which is the exact opposite of what you want. Yes. Um, and the other thing, you know, I've had people who've had experiences and I, this was my own and I'll tell you that story, um, who like what comes up for them in meditation is emotion. Right. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, okay, what was that? You know, I don't want to experience that. So we're shutting this whole thing down. Like I, anybody who's listened to this podcast since the beginning has probably heard me say this story before, but being a corporate executive with a really, really busy job, I was go, 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 go all the time. Like that's who I was. Never sit down, never sit still, just go, 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 go. And then I recognized that I needed to like start to find some kind of a stillness. And so I started doing yoga, trying to do yoga, but I was every day I would go in and go, I didn't do that very well. I failed, you know, blah, 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 that whole talk track. And one day I was on a business trip. I was in New York City. I remember this so clearly. I knew there was a meditation class that was going to be happening at my yoga studio. So for whatever reason, that morning I woke up and I was like, I must get to that meditation class. So I actually ended up taking an earlier standby flight home <laughs> to get to the meditation class. I walked in there and was a guided meditation. There was like five of us in the room. And I'm sitting there on the mat and she's guiding the meditation. And I feel this well of emotion start to come up. And I'm like, what the hell? Like, what is this? What's going on? Like, what am I upset about? You know, and I'm like trying as hard as I can just to like get it under control. And I could not. And I started crying and I cried for like that whole (laughs) 90 minute meditation. And then as I was leaving the class, you know, the instructor said to me, oh, I'm doing an eight week session if you'd like to join. And I for whatever reason, I don't know why I did it, but I was like, okay, sign me up. And every week for eight weeks, I came out of that class with a mitt full of snotty Kleenex and my mascara (laughs) running down my face. And for whatever reason, at some point I was like, I don't remember having this conscious thought, but I was like, okay, I just have to surrender to this because it's quite obvious that I can't control this experience because I went into it going, okay, it's going to look like this. I'm going to come out feeling all Zen and it's going to be, I didn't come out feeling better. I ended up going like, what the hell's wrong with me? But the process of surrendering to that thing, and I guess my body, the universe, like whatever it is, was like, girlfriend, you are going to do this (laughs) whether you like it or not and force me down that path. But it really helped me see that the busyness in my mind was actually covering up a lot that was happening. And so sometimes the difficulty with 
um, stealing our minds is because we don't want to face what's underneath it, right? It's so easy to keep yourself busy to avoid things that you don't want to see, you don't want to deal with, right? Exactly. Distraction. We live in a society that keeps us extremely distracted on purpose. Mm -hmm. And like, it's, we can't just say it's outside forces of society. We do it to ourselves. Oh, of course. Both. It's both ways. And I think for one of the things that pandemic has, I don't want to say taught people, but has allowed people Mm -hmm. is to have to face those, some of those things that they did not want to have to face because there were fewer distractions. And so they came to light and now people are questioning, well, what do I do with this info, this new information that has been allowed to come through? Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. I mean, if there was a blessing in, and again, looking for, (laughs) if there was a blessing in COVID, it really did show people um, all aspects of themselves and their lives, right? Mm -hmm. Like you've heard people moving houses, you know, people ending relationships, people starting relationships, like all of these things happened in this moment, this like little pause that would happen in the world all around the same time. Right. So it's been kind of interesting to watch. I'm not saying that COVID is a good thing (laughs) for anyone listening. I mean, it's in so many levels, it's tragic, but on so many levels, it's actually been beautiful to watch people have to retreat inwards towards into their own homes, into their own families and into themselves. Exactly. What we were talking about earlier is finding the gratitude in every situation Uh because it is always, always there. And you will always find whatever it is you're looking for, whether you're looking for positive or negative, you will find it. For sure. For sure. So why do you focus your work on Gen Xers? Like why specifically that group and Gen Xers for those, because I always get confused about, am I a boomer? Am I a Gen Xer? <laughs> Is just below the boomer. So I think it's like 65 and yeah. younger. 19, it's born in 19, to, 1965 to 1980 right. is technically the boomers. So right. Yeah. 40s into mid fifties, a little bit above that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, primarily because I am one. Right. And so I understand, obviously I've been through these experiences, I know what our generation is going through. And so people can relate to me because we're all kind of on the same page. Maybe I'm a step or two ahead of some people. So, Uh and you know, there's other people who are a step or two ahead of me, but turning around to help the other, you know, other people who are struggling with some of the things that I've been through in the past four, five, six years, Uh seven years and saying, Hey, all right, I got you. Let me be your guide. Let me show you how to manage through this. And there's some millennials too. Like they, it gets yeah. really a universal thing, but it yeah, it you know, is. from a marketing standpoint, you can't, nobody can ever say everybody's my audience. That means no one is your audience. Yeah. Um, so what are some of the, if you don't mind sharing, of course, um, like what are some of the, the things or the events of your own personal life that have, that you've been able to navigate through and how did you navigate through with gratitude and meditation? Yeah. So that, the baking company, I ran that for 11 years and I couldn't scale it the way I really wanted to. And I ended up shutting it down in 2014. And at the same time, that I was starting to consider shutting it down. My mom was diagnosed with a very acute form of leukemia and she passed away 
uh, like seven weeks later. Wow. So both of those things happened. So I was mourning really the death of my mom and my business at the same time. Mm-hmm. And that's when I started asking myself the question, do I want to live the next 20 years the same way I've lived the last 20? And what am I going to do differently? That, you know, and so you and I do very similar work in the world. And so many people come to me or end up in my sphere somehow having experienced some kind of an event in their life that has really caused them to be like, okay, how do I want to spend the next 20 years of my life or the next 30 years of your life? Because, you know, from 50 to 80, sure. really long time, right? Yeah. And the immediate thing is I'm really stuck and I don't know what I want to do. Like, I can't right. figure this out. Right. And my answer to them is always something like, you will not figure it out with your brain. Like the, what got yes. you to this point is not what's going to get you to the next one. Like, so you need to like unplug this because we want to think our way into it. That's all we've been taught, right? Yeah. We do the pros and cons list. You know, we think, do I have enough money? Do I have this? And we do all the things, right? And that right. will not get us to the answer. And at the same time too, I find that people want the answer to show up on their doorstep, like an Amazon yes. package. Of course. <laughs> Right. Or, you know, it's the end of the rainbow pot of gold. And once they get to whatever that place is, right, they've made the list. They've got all the logical things thought out. Oh, of course, then here's my path. It just opens up in front of me. Mm -hmm. And it's not like that at all. As you know, it's about taking small steps and just taking the next right step. That's just right in front of you and, and keep walking, going like one step what was that? Put one foot in front of the other. Where's that from? Wait, uh, wait. I think that was, was that from a Christmas special? Uh, the, the heat miser and the cold miser and uh, how, I don't know now, but there's a song and it's like, well, just put one step, foot in front of the other or something yeah. like that. That's what you're doing. Well, that's literally and trusting that the path is going to reveal itself, right? Yes, that's because because it thing. always does. Right. The other thing is we get stuck because it's like, we need to see every step on the way. Like we need to see, okay, I'm going to do step one, step two, step three, and I'm going to end up over there. And it's going to look just like this. Right. When, you know, we don't know, like if there's one thing that life has shown us, like we do not know where we're going to end up. And so you take the next step and then you wait for the next step and then, and trust the path that will reveal itself. And you'll eventually get to what it is that you want, but it might not look the way you think it's going to look. Right. It rarely, it it, rarely, yeah, it rarely looks like what you think it's going to look like. And that's part of the adventure, but it's also part of the, the scariness of Of it (laughs) that requires courage to move that. And the, you know, we've talked about this, the whole place, a lot of people will stay at fine because they're afraid of what, what could be on the other side. So if everything is fine, because the other part of my story is I had been married for 22 years. I'd been with my husband for almost 30 years together, all of my adult life. And about three, four years after my mom passed away, I, I was like, yeah, we, we both know this relationship is not serving either one of us, but he was okay, I think, was staying at fine. Like he was never going to take the initiative. And I was okay staying there too, because for years, everything was fine. Why would you leave? You're not, nothing's wrong. But I decided that there had to be something more for me. I, I say better, but, but my soul was longing for expansion and being, staying at fine was no longer okay. 
And so I had to find the courage to step off of fine and step into that complete unknown, which is terrifying. Terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. I know you run a program called, this is going to bleep this out if we need, if you, if anybody needs to turn down the fuck fine and, you know, move to fabulous. I think that's what your program is called. It's called fuck being fine. Yes. Yeah. Why? Like, can you talk to me a little bit more about like why we think fine is okay? Like why we're just happy. Why are we settling for fine? We're settling for fine because one, we think that's all that we are allowed to have. Like it's good enough. What are you complaining about? Look at this. You, Mm. for a lot of people, fine looks pretty darn good from the outside. And can't you just settle for that? That's what more could you want? Yeah. And then the other reason is that for what we said, it's, it's terrifying to think, well, what if I step off of fine and it's worse? Like, what if I step off this cliff and there's no parachute? Yeah. Well, and you know, it's interesting because the human psyche always assumes that what they know is better than what they don't know. You know what I mean? Like, right. at least even if it's not serving me, I know it. And then, we make the assumption that the thing that we don't know is actually worse than the, what we do know right now. When the reality is there's a 50-50 shot, it could be better, right? Yes. And if we talk about trusting the universe, then it's better than 50-50. Well, exactly. Yeah, no, it's much better than 50-50. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. And I remember when I made the decision to step back out of corporate, like, I mean, I had a 30-year corporate career and, you know, doing this, like, like I had a really good job. Like I had a lot of really great perks with my job. Like I traveled all the time. I got to go to like amazing events, like, you know, the Olympics and like all kinds of great things. You know, I made great money and I had a great title. And I remember thinking to myself, I am never going to be able to do this again. I'm never going to make this amount of money ever again. I'm never going to be you know, all the nevers, right? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, no, it doesn't, my life doesn't look like it used to, but I don't miss any of that stuff because, you know, but at the same time, like I was saying all these things, but knowing like, and for years I stayed in that job because all of that stuff, right? Like but when I knew there was this underlying dissatisfaction, right? And I was like, every time it would pop up, I would squash it down because I'm like, if I acknowledge it, that means I have to deal with it. And I can't figure out how I'm going to work my way past this. And we all do that all the time. So when we talk about getting quiet so that you can hear your own inner voice, your own inner truth, because people can tell you all day long, counsel you on what you should (laughs) do, but only you know what is true for you. Mm-hmm. And getting quiet enough to hear that inner voice, you know, you, even if you don't settle down and do a meditation or go for a walk, whatever it is, you know what you need mm-hmm. to do, mm-hmm. but we are afraid to do it. Yeah. So for many, many years, like after I decided, you know, that I needed to meditate, like I was like, after that experience of crying for eight weeks, I was like, I am shutting that door. I am not going uh-huh. back there. Sure. Right? And I stuffed it back down and on my way, I went until life said to me, no, no, sister, we really need you to go back there. And then I ended up like, you know, divorced, empty nested out yeah. of a job. <laughs> Right. Um, We're going to make sure you hear us this time with a stress related illness that meant I couldn't get out of bed most days. So all the things that I busied myself with were literally just taken away. And there I was like lying in my bed, staring at the ceiling going, what? So I had no choice, but to start listening. Right. Right. Like to listening to what was going on inside me. Um, The universe has a tendency to do that. If you're not listening, it will force you to listen. 
Yeah. What is it they say? First, it gives you it gives you a poke, then it gives you a shove, and then if you're not still not listening, you'll get the brick in the head. Yes, I'm the brick in the head kind. <laughs> Like I had to get like a big brick, but often that's what happens, right? Like mm-hmm. we, like the, that voice is, it's there simmering underneath, you know, but we we're often telling it it's crazy. We tell it it's wrong. We tell it to go away and shut up. And eventually yeah. like, if you did that to any other person, they would just be quiet and like not show up. Right. But the vo- it doesn't mean that they've gone away. It's still there. Right. Right. Or stop working. I mean, if you make the analogy to your car and you don't fuel it properly, you don't put oil in it, you don't change the tires, it's going to stop working. Yeah, exactly. And then some crisis situation will bring you to the point where it's like, oh, look, the voice will be like, oh, look, there's a little space. Let's pop our head up here again and see if we can get her to listen this time. Right. Yeah. Um, And it's unfortunate that we do have to get to that place. Like, and I think it's very true of our generation. And this is why I do the work that I do is because we were never given the tools. I think things are changing. Now we're teaching kids at a much younger age to like listen to their own intuition, to trust their gut, you know? Um, but we didn't have that. We were taught to honor external authority above all things. So, you yeah. know, when Uncle Fred came over and you didn't want to hug Uncle Fred, you had to hug Uncle Fred because he told you to, or he asked. That's you what you do. Mm-hmm. Right. Whereas kids today are given a lot more permission to say, no, I don't really feel like it and things like that. Right. Like that, being able to trust what's going on inside them. And I think yeah. that's the reason why as midlife women, we reach this point where we're like, how do we want to spend the next 20 years? And we're so disconnected from ourselves because everything that we've been taught is to listen to what's going on outside us. And yeah. now this chapter is asking us to like, start tuning inwards. Right. And, but we haven't right. been given the tools to do that. So, yeah. Yeah. That's why your work and my work is so important is to be able to help people understand. This is, first of all, people ask about normal. And I always think normal is a setting on a washing machine, but it's not like it's a judgment. It's common. Mm. It's very common. And you're not alone. Mm-hmm. Like your listeners, people who are listening to that, you're not alone in these feelings. And it's okay to get help to ask for help, to raise your hand and say, Hey, uh, I need some help over here. Just like you did with, with going to that meditation course to yoga, the yoga, and then the meditation. And and I just wanted to mention too, that when you feel that emotion, when you have so much emotional response to something like that, whether it's in an EFT, a tapping session or a meditation, that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. That's great. That means you are on the right path. Yeah, because one of the things that I have learned over the last six, seven years is I see very clearly now that I was so disconnected from my own body, right? Like my body was the stick that held up my head, that carried my brain around. (laughs) And the only thing I was aware of my body is I'm going to beat it and mold it into this kind of shape, right? I wasn't paying attention to it at all. And so like all the signs and signals of my burnout happened years before I actually got to the point that I would get out of bed. In fact, Another fun story was at the beginning of my burnout, I was going, I was the person who would go to the gym every morning at like six o'clock and before I went to the office, right? Even at the end of my burnout where, at the beginning of my burnout where things were starting to really fall apart, I was like, oh, I can still go to the gym. And then one day I walked into the gym and my trainer fired me. She said, you know, I, she came in and I was like expecting her to give the rundown and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm looking at her and she's got this really strange look on her face. And I'm like, what's, what's going on? And she said to me, she's like, I can't do this anymore. She goes, I will not participate. She's like, your body is 
telling you stuff. Like she's like, I watch your body failing you and it's talking to you and you are not paying attention. Wow. And I remember being so angry with her, right? Like who the hell does she think she is? I pay you blah, 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 you know? And you know, got over myself over over a couple of days. And then I started to realize I was like, oh shit, like my body is really talking to me. And I hadn't even considered that it had anything to say. Now through the process of like really tuning into my body, connecting with myself, meditation and all of that, sometimes now my body will react to something that my mind hasn't even grasped yet. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, what was that reaction? Right. And then I can use my mind to process it. And so that, like, it, it's still, I mean, it's been a couple of years, but every time it happens, I'm like, oh, okay, that's really interesting. What just happened? Like, what, what's yeah. the thing underneath the thing that I'm not acknowledging in my mind yet? Yeah. And yeah. that's the power of being connected, you know? Right. The mind-body connection yes. is very strong, but we have worked very hard to disconnect it. Mm-hmm. And yet that's how we're wired. That's how we were built as humans is that mind-body connection Mm -hmm. to pay attention. They're always communicating with each other. It's just a matter of, right, tapping into that awareness and hearing what's being said. And it just keeps you so much healthier physically, mentally, psychologically, on emotionally, every aspect. And even, you know, and and I know a lot, like I had a horrific experience of menopause, like it, it was not fun. But the whole process of menopause is actually to wake us up to the fact that we are no longer the same person that we were. Like we need to do things differently. Like our ability to tolerate stress is much lower. Like we find we don't tolerate alcohol as much. Like we need to eat better to feel good. We need to, you know, all these things. And it's literally saying to you, hey, sister, the way you were operating before is no longer working. You're moving into something else. And it really is an opportunity for us then. Like it's, if you don't get the wake up call from some other area of your life, generally it will happen in menopause where you're like, "Mm, okay, need to start changing up some things. Mm -hmm. And part of that is tuning back into the body. Yeah. Right. Or tuning in in the first place for a lot of people. In the yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. For many and for most of us, it's yeah. and rather than looking at menopause as a betrayal, which most of us do, and I definitely did for a while. It's like, what? I can't control this anymore, right? You yeah. know, to actually being, oh, my body has something to say here, and it's my now. It's my turn to listen, right? Yes. So it's yes. it's a fascinating time of life, and the more I experience it personally, and you know, like one of the reasons why I created the Old Chicks No Shit community is because for so long I thought I was all alone, mm-hmm. right? And when we start hearing each other's stories and we start seeing the similarities in our stories, like we start to recognize that, like, wow, this is actually pretty powerful. Like we're at a very powerful point in our lives right now. Yeah. Right. And if we can, you know, do get into the habit of gratitude and meditation and all the other things that we're supposed to do, like we can create amazing things. Right. Well, gratitude and meditation are tools to help you step into that power. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Are you willing to take that? That I don't know if it's a responsibility. Are you willing to take that step? Mm hmm. And I would argue it is a responsibility. I actually do think it's a responsibility. Maybe a strong word, but you're being offered a chance, right? Like it's your choice to take it or not take it. Mm-hmm. And you know, for the betterment of yourself and society at large, <laughs> I think yeah. it is a responsibility to step into it. Yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah, it is a strong word, and because this is a strong place to come from, mm-hmm. or to come, yeah, come from, I guess. 
Yeah. And, you know, some of the stuff that I've read, you talked about this earlier, and some of the stuff that I've read about gratitude and meditation from the scientific standpoint, about it literally changes your brain, like the parts of your brain that become online and that become more active, like your brain scan looks different, very, very different. Yes. I was going to mention that earlier and then we veered off into a different direction, (laughs) but yes, meditation and gratitude, practicing gratitude, practicing meditation changes your brain, changes how your brain is wired, changes Mm -hmm. your biochemistry. Your brain will release more serotonin and dopamine, Mm -hmm. which are the feel-good chemicals. Mm -hmm. It will release less cortisol, which is a stress chemical. Yeah, It makes you more resilient. I mean, there are just so many real benefits, not just you feel better, which that alone should be incentive. Physical things happen. Your brain wiring is different. You know, social media, this is a whole different topic. I know we don't have time to get into that, but social media rewires your brain in a way that you may not be conscious of. You're probably not. No, but gratitude and meditation gives you the tools, give you the tools to rewire it the way you want it to Mm -hmm. be wired. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that I find that so fascinating because, you know, we often think, well, I am the way that I am. My brain operates the way that it operates when the reality is like, you know, and this gets us into the, well, it's too late. I'm too old kind Mm -hmm. of mentality, Mm -hmm. right? When the reality is your brain can, is so malleable, right? Like you can rewire it like in, and it's not, doesn't even take that much effort, which is a great thing, but also a scary thing when you think about it (laughs) from the wrong side, right? Like, like when you talk about social media and things like that, right? Like that's exactly it easily rewired. And so your ability to learn something new or to be a different way in the world or to show up differently in your own life is entirely possible. Not only entirely possible, it's probable like when you take the right steps. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's almost guaranteed that if you Mm -hmm. take the right steps and you trust in the universe, as we talked about, and you have faith Mm -hmm. and you move forward with purpose, again, intentionality, taking the next right step, just one step, the next step that opens up in front of you. Mm -hmm. You are guaranteed to get to, I don't want to say where you want to go because you don't necessarily know where you want to go, but to get to a better place. You are being led by the universe to your higher purpose. Mm -hmm. Oh, totally. Listen, my whole business has been built by one step from one step to the next. I remember what's five years ago being like, I would really like to write. And then my first thought was, you're not a writer, like other than writing a strategy deck, you know what I mean? Or a PowerPoint (laughs) presentation, right? It was like, you're not a writer, you're not a writer. And I thought, okay, well, I'm just going to try and see what happens, like see what comes out. Right. And then I I really enjoyed the process. Then I decided, then I was like, you should publish a blog. And I remember so clearly the first day I decided to put my writing out into the on the internet. And then I had to sit there for three days. I had to sit on my hands to prevent myself from going back and deleting it. And it was literally like every day it would be like, okay, just go delete it. Nobody saw it. Just delete it. Right. But for whatever reason, again, it was like, no, no, you just got to let it be, let go of it. Right. And then it was like one thing led to another. And like that's literally how it has unfolded and is still unfolding. Yeah. Right. Like I just had like a major download the other day where I was like, wow, okay, that's super interesting. And it's so clear. Yeah. Because I'm learning to trust the process more and like, you know, not analyze and second guess things. It's been amazing. Yeah. And when you look back at your life, that's really how it unfolded in the first place. Like you thought you had some control, but you really didn't. And it all unfolds one step at a time, all the way 
through to now. So why wouldn't it continue doing that? You're just paying a little bit more attention now to the fact that it's unfolding one step at a time. Yeah. So last question, like when people end up coming to you, like coming to your gratitude practice or your programs or whatever, like who are these people and what are they coming for? They are coming for sense of peace, (laughs) primarily a sense of peace, a sense of like, again, that trust, that faith where, how do I know it's going to work out? They're coming for clarity. Okay. So that's Mm -hmm. the first thing is clarity and direction and support. Like hold my hand. If I'm going to do this, I need somebody to kind of walk alongside me and kick me at the same time, (laughs) (laughs) you know, accountability. And I think in a lot of cases, some of the techniques, the actual techniques, how do I become a more grateful person? What are some exercises I could do to help me find more gratitude in my day? How do I meditate and where, you know, I create these customized meditations that help calm what I called puppy mind with the thoughts running through your head. And yeah, so they're looking for clarity, direction, and that connection to themselves and then courage as we talked about. Mm, Right. Yeah. Finding the courage to take the step. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's huge. So where can people find more about Zen Rabbit and your programs? Like, yeah. Are you whereabouts on the web? Are you? I am everywhere. So I, so Zen Rabbit, zenrabbit.com is my website. And then I can be found on Instagram and Zen underscore rabbit. LinkedIn that is by my name because LinkedIn, I'm on LinkedIn a lot on Facebook, Zen Rabbit on Twitter, if anybody's on Twitter anymore. Uh, <laughs> uh, and you yeah. have a podcast too, right? I do have a podcast called Fine is a Four Letter Word. Mm, so you can that. find that wherever you find your podcast normally, or you can find it on Zen Rabbit's website. There's a page there as well. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Lori, for having this conversation with us. And to anybody listening, if, well, actually one more quick thing before we go, if somebody wants to start a gratitude practice, mm-hmm. like if you're listening to this and you're like, well, I really should get on that. Like what's the first step that you think somebody should take? You know, you mentioned having a writing in a gratitude journal. And I personally don't do that, but I do think it is a good place to start because it helps you become aware of things that you are grateful for. Like you said, even if it's just, I enjoyed a hot cup of tea this morning, or Mm -hmm. I opened my eyes or whatever it is. And as you start getting into more and more things, you become more and more aware. And then you start looking for things to be grateful for Mm -hmm. throughout your day. And so I think that is a great way to do it. Start with three things a day. Yeah. Yeah. And I've gotten into the habit of doing it at night as well, too. Like actually like planting those seeds of gratitude the night before, because I mean, this is a whole other conversation, but what goes on in your subconscious brain while you're sleeping is so fascinating. So setting the stage for that, like, and sometimes when, you know, when, you know, like my partner and I will be in bed or whatever, and I'll say to him, what are you grateful for today? And we'll go back and forth with this, right? It's like the last conversation that we have. And I- I have noticed the impact of it in myself and I can see it in him, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's really powerful. So everybody, thank you for listening. I encourage you, you know, if meditation feels out of reach right now, start with gratitude and you will be amazed at how your brain and eventually your life will shift just from that one small thing. So thank you for sharing this with us, Lori. My pleasure. It. Thank you for having me. 
So until next time, if you guys like what you heard today, um, would love it if you give us a rating or a review on whatever podcast platform you listen to this on. Yeah, that would be awesome. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Old Chicks No Shit podcast. If you like what you heard, the best compliment you can give is to share this podcast with a friend, subscribe, rate and review our podcast on iTunes or wherever it is that you listen in.